So, welcome to another episode of Generally Speaking. Oh, fine. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. And you know, I have to give you a hint of what we're talking about today. Okay. I have no idea what we're talking. Part of me wonders if we should eat the cookies first, because you might lose your appetite. <laughs> is this a poisoning or something? Yeah, or is this sure. like no, I'm not some sort of gruesome thing? I'm trying to poison you now. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Is this Lizzie Borden or something? No, I'm only being, well, I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but okay. I mean, it is kind of gruesome. I need another hint. That's not much of a hint. I referred to it my last episode that I did. The last And I remember you cringed when I mentioned it. During the Amelia Earhart thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, it was in regards to the podcast that I listened to. Called oh, Against the Odds. Oh, no, it was is like this the one about the submarine? Yeah, but it was not that one. Oh, okay. Is this about the Nautilus or something? Or? Nope. Oh, I know which one it is. What is it? Like the one that looking for the Titanic? Nope. No. Another summary. Is it about the Titanic? Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm running out of... Yeah, I don't know. It, it was, it was a very minor mention, so it doesn't surprise you. No, it was on one of those survivalist things, right? Yeah. Oh, was it the coal miner? Nope. Okay. What else yeah, did you tell you? A good memory other than that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and sleeping in that and like going into like you said territories that 
Yeah. Who knows what you're going to yeah, exactly. go encounter yeah. wild animals. Yeah. So the families of the brothers, George and Jacob, and the local businessman, as I said, James Reed, they left April 14, 1846, with the addition of roughly a dozen immigrants and employees. This initial party numbered about 31 people. And within a month, the Donners and Reeds had reached Independence, Missouri. So there, on May 12th, they became part of the main wagon train that was headed west. So they okay. kind of picked up some more people yeah, yeah. and headed west. Now, was there like a trail that they could follow that had already been? Yes, okay. the California Trail. Yeah. Okay. So I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. The expedition was pretty much doomed from the start because they left Illinois too late in the year, and they left Illinois with it insufficient amount of supplies. Mm -hmm. The emigrants needed to begin their journey late enough in the spring for there to be grass available for pack animals, mm -hmm. but also early enough so that they could cross the treacherous western mountain passes before winter. So right. it was kind of like the sweet spot for yeah. departure. Yeah. And that was sometime in mid to late April that they yeah. should have left. But for unknown reasons, they didn't leave until May 12th. Okay. So they, they, they were leaving independence until yeah. May 12th. So the group made good progress all the way to Fort Laramie, which is now southeastern Wyoming, and they covered about 650 miles in six weeks. So they're pretty, pretty, pretty good fast. about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. On July 20th, 1846, the company divided, with most of the wagon train then turning north toward Fort Hall in modern southeastern Idaho and using the well-known Oregon Trail to continue the journey okay, west. So some of them are going up this way. Right, so they're going north over the Great Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. That was the one one part, one group. The Reeds, the Donners, and a number of others chose to head southwest toward Fort Bridger. Fort Bridger is about here. Okay. Uh, but their plan is going to be to go south. So, so they're going to go on this trail here. Yes. Okay. So when they're at Fort Bridger, James Reed convinced the rest of the group to leave the established trail and take a new and supposedly shorter route, which would then shave 300 miles off of their route. In reality, it was 125 miles longer. Yeah. Uh, and so they don't have like, to, what kind of maps do they even have? Like, well, so they're right following there? they're following this unscrupulous trail guide named Lansford Hastings. Mm -hmm. It was a gentleman that who supposedly made this trek before and was telling them about the shortcut. Okay. Hastings was not at Fort Bridger at the time. He was leading an earlier wagon train along his new route. So he was going ahead of them. Okay. He left word for the Donner party to follow, promising that he would mark the trail for them. So this is the cutoff here. This is where, so they're yes, here. Yes, exactly. This is where they branch. Okay. So the two groups who were initially together, yep. some went north, off. they yep. wanted to stay on the established trail. Mm -hmm. Some went south yep. looking for the shortcut. Yep. So Reed, had, actually while he was at Fort Laramie, he had been warned about attempting this route mm -hmm. by an old friend from Illinois who had just completed the west to east journey through Hastings Cutoff, which is what it was called. Okay. Yep. But the group chose to press ahead. The party elected George Donner to serve as its leader, and at its peak, the Donner party would number about 87 people, 29 wow. men, 15 women, and 43 children. So I don't think people realize yeah. that it, it was full families yeah. who were making that's this Yeah, that's a lot of people. In 23 ox-drawn wagons. Wow. So the group of 89 emigrants left Fort Bridger with their 20 wagons 
and headed for Weber Canyon, where Hastings claimed there was an easy passage through the rugged Wasatch Mountains. Wasatch? Wasatch. Wasatch. Yeah, Wasatch. Rhymes with Sasquatch? Sort of, yeah. I wonder if that's where they got the name. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> there was just one problem. No one had ever tackled the Hastings cutoffs with wagons. So how did they, they were so traveling? Not even Hastings himself. He was on horseback. He must have been on horseback. Yeah, okay. So when they reached the head of the canyon, they found a note from Hastings attached to a forked stick. Hastings warned the diner party that the route ahead was more difficult than he had thought. Just what you want to see, right? Right. He asked the immigrants to make camp there and wait until he could return to show them a better way. Hastings, I don't like the way this is going. I, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So Hastings' note troubled the immigrants to return to Fort Bridger, which is where they just came from. Mm -hmm to pick up the established route would have meant wasting several days. And they, so they're already leaving late. They don't have a lot of time yeah. to spare anymore. They think this is a shortcut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're already running into problems. Yeah. They don't want to turn around because it's going to add several days right. to their trip. Right, which would have been better. Yeah, <laughs> foreshadowing. foreshadowing. <laughs> so after eight days, so they waited for Hastings mm. for eight days. That's like a week, that's a longer than a week. Yeah. That's crazy. Hastings still had not arrived. Oh, man. I don't like this guy. <laughs> I don't trust him. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> the emigrants sent a messenger up the canyon to find the guide. So then the messenger returned several days later with instructions from Hastings, okay. so they found him, okay. to follow another trail. And the emigrants complied. The alternate route, however, turned out to be even worse than the Weber Canyon Road, and the emigrants had to carve a fresh road through thick trees oh. and boulder-strewn ground. So I couldn't even imagine making your own road, basically, for all these. Yeah ox-driven or ox-drawn wagons to... Plus you got like 40 through. kids with you too? Yeah. Like, imagine... Yes. We know how hard it is. Elderly people who yeah. are just like laying yeah. in the back oh, of a I can't wagon. Imagine. No, I cannot imagine. The Donner Party finally made it through the Wasatch Mountains and arrived at the Great Salt Lake. Rather than saving them time, Hastings' shortcut ended up adding nearly a month oh, to the Donner gosh. Party's journey. When they rejoined the main California Trail, it was yeah. late September. So they went around the south part of the lake and yeah. then rejoined. And they yeah. back when they could the have just trail. gone this way and been like, yeah, way over here. Yeah. So it was late September when they finally rejoined the California Trail. All the other migrants of the 1846 trip, you know, the, the other group mm -hmm. that split off from mm -hmm. them, they had completed their journey to right. California at this point. Oh wow, oh my gosh, they're already there. Yeah. And these guys are like here, and they've got to go through, this is Nevada, right? Yeah. So they've got to go through all these mountains here. So the Donner Party was racing the weather to clear the passes in Sierra Nevada. And tensions were running high. No kidding. <laughs> among the exhausted migrants, and on October 5th, an altercation between Reed yeah. and an emigrant employed by another family ended with Reed fatally stabbing the man. Yikes. Supposedly the man, I guess, had assaulted his wife, and that's what caused the stabbing, but this is all yeah. based on witness accounts. Right, and, right. Um, you know, who really knows? Some members of the party suggested that Reed be hanged, but he was instead banished from the company. Hmm. Reed would continue west on horseback to Sutter's Fort in the Sacramento Valley to get supplies, while the rest of his family remained with the Donner Party. I don't want to make any predictions about nope, this. No, no, <laughs> Unfortunately, their difficulties were only beginning. Oh, no. The shortcut, as I had said, had cost them many days, and the Donner Party crossed the Sierra Nevada mountains late in the season. 
Uh, despite the, the Hastings cutoff debacle, most of the Donner Party still managed to reach the slopes of the Sierra Nevada by early November 1846. Only a scant hundred miles remained in their trek. But before the pioneers had a chance to drive their wagons through the mountains, an early blizzard blanketed the Sierras in several feet of snow. So mountain passes that were navigable just a day earlier soon transformed into icy roadblocks, forcing the Darner Party to retreat to nearby Truckee Lake, which is actually now known as Darner Lake. No. And wait out the winter in ramshackle tents and cabins. Can you imagine how cold it was? I, I mean, I cannot even. So the Donners, their progress was delayed by a wagon accident, and they made a similar camp a few miles farther east on the trail near Alder Creek. Okay. And the interesting thing was the other camp made the makeshift cabins, mm -hmm. and then the Alder Creek camp, they were forced to use the canvases off their wagons as makeshift tents, yeah. and that's how they, I can't imagine camping those things and trying to last out the winter. I don't even like camping now, but with like <laughs> high quality tents, like no thank you. <laughs> so eight days of almost continuous snow followed, during which time many of the oxen, the chief reserve of food, wandered off and were lost. So things still aren't looking good. Yeah, it's, it's really depressing. Of the 81 people who became stranded at Truckee Lake, more than half were younger than 18 years old. Six were infants. Most of the group's supplies and livestock had already been lost on the trail, and it wasn't long before the first settlers began to perish from starvation. No surprise. Yeah, no surprise. So on November 20th, Patrick Breen, he was one of the emigrants, whose family had joined the party in independence, began a diary, which he continued until March 1st. So his account of the winter of 1846 to 47 would provide the only contemporary written record the Donner Party's ordeal. All the other records that we hear of, they're all eyewitness accounts or mm -hmm. what their experiences were. So remember James Reed, the man who was banished? Yeah. Kind of stabbed somebody? Yeah, they stabbed somebody. <laughs> he reaches Sutter's Fort on October 28th. So he rests for two days and then he attempts to take provisions back to the wagon train, but deep snow blocked his way. So he's stuck in California. Okay. He tries to organize another relief expedition, but at this time, the Mexican-American War is going on, mm -hmm. and it disrupted efforts uh, for him to be able to find enough people to go with him right. as a relief To effort. get back there. So because everyone else is volunteering for the war. Right. <clears throat> I read somewhere, too, that he even he took part in the war, too. Did he really? Yeah, so he volunteered yeah. his time while his family was mountain somewhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, so while he was also in California, he, mm -hmm. he, was, he took some steps to secure land for himself in Santa Clara, where he would eventually bring his family. Oh, okay. Hopes of bringing his family. Hopes of, okay. I'll leave in suspense there. Okay, yeah. In early February of 1847, the citizens and naval officers of San Francisco funded a rescue effort for the stranded downer party. You can always rely on naval officers, I'll just say that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. That, that goes without being said. <laughs> So remember, Reed reaches Sutter's Fort October 28th. So Sutter's Fort is like one of the endpoints. Yeah, here. I okay. So yeah, okay. So um, he's here, and then he's getting troops and money or people. He's trying money. to. Okay. Yeah, okay. He's also fighting in a war. He's, he's also good. securing land. Okay. He's busy. Uh, he's busy. He's a busy guy. So 
There was a rescue effort that was funded, mm -hmm. as I said, by the Citizens and Naval Officers of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, due to several storm conditions, the distraction of the Mexican-American War and the lack of available manpower, no rescues reached the mountain encampments for three and a half months. Oh I think that's where I was trying to go yeah, with that. Yeah. Okay. Reed shows up October, yep. and now, now we're talking early February of finally getting a funded rescue effort going. I'm, it's, I'm gonna guess, very hard to get into the Sierra Nevada's in February. Yes, 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 exactly. So on December 16th, and I'm backtracking a little bit, because now, now it's kind of like, meanwhile, back at the camps, yeah, yeah, yeah. December 1846, more than a month after they became snowbound, 15 of the strongest members of the Donner Party strapped on makeshift snowshoes, so they're trying to make their own rescue effort happen, mm -hmm. and try to walk out of the mountains to find help. After wandering the frozen landscape for several days, they were left starving and on the verge of collapse. The hikers resigned themselves to cannibalism and considered drawing lots for a human sacrifice or even having two of the men square off in a duel. Yikes. Several members of the party soon died naturally. <laughs> However, Boy, that's all some of the survivors <laughs> roasted and consumed their corpses. Oh my gosh. Wow. The gruesome okay. meat gave them the energy they required. Oh, man. And following a month of walking, seven of the original 15 made it to a ranch in California and helped organize rescue efforts. Historians would later dub their desperate hike the Forlorn Hope. So there's actually, during this hiking party, there's also a pair of Native Americans named Salvatore, Salvatore and Luis, mm -hmm. both of whom had joined up with the Donner immigrants shortly before they became snowbound. They had refused to engage in cannibalism, and Salvatore and Luis later ran off out of fear that they might be murdered among the others, or when the others ran out of meat. Yeah. So the duo was found days later, exhausted and lying in the snow, and Hiking party member, no, did them in, no, and it, this was the only time during the entire winter that people were murdered for use as food. Want to have some cookies now? <laughs> so meanwhile, back at the camp. So again, we're going back to the camp again. As their supplies dwindled, the Don Donner immigrants were still stranded at Truckee Lake. Mm -hmm. They resorted to eating increasingly grotesque meals. So actually, these meals would probably sound better than the last meal we talked about. They slaughtered their pack animals, cooked their dogs. Oh my gosh. Gnawed on leftover bones, and even boiled the animal hide roofs of their cabins into a foul waste. Did what? Their animal hides they used for the roofs oh, of their makeshift yeah. oh, cabins. Oh my gosh. They boiled them and made a foul paste of them. Several people died from malnutrition. But the rest managed to subsist on morsels of boiled leather and tree bark oh until rescue parties arrived in February and March of 1847. So not all of the settlers were strong enough to escape, and those left behind were forced to cannibalize the frozen corpses of their comrades while waiting for future help. All told, roughly half of the Donner Party survivors eventually resorted to eating human flesh. Was this a bad one? <laughs> I mean, everybody's heard of the Donner Party, right? So this is interesting to find out, right? How truly traumatic this must have been. Like, yeah. and I'm guessing when they left Independence, Missouri, they had supplies with them, right? They did, but they just didn't have Yeah, they were exactly. expecting to have yeah, a long shortcut yeah. Yeah. and get stranded for the winter. Yeah. 
And so, of the five months the Donner Party spent trapped in the mountains, nearly half of it took place after they had already been located by rescuers. Hmm. So, they, it, it was just any of the rescue expeditions that came out, they could only take a few at a time. Okay. And they had to pick the strongest at the time. Yeah, right. The first relief parties reached the settlers in February 1847. But since pack animals were unable to navigate the deep snowdrifts, they only brought whatever food and supplies they could carry. Mm -hmm. By then, many of the immigrants were too weak to travel, and several died while trying to walk out of the mountains. Four relief teams in more than two and a half months were eventually required to shepherd all of the Donald Party survivors back to civilization. The last to be rescued was Louis Kesselberg, a Prussian pioneer who was found in April 1847, supposedly half mad, mm -hmm. and surrounded by the cannibalized bodies of his former companions. Kesselberg was later accused of having murdered the other emigrants for use as food, but the charges were never proven. So here's some good positive news, I okay. suppose. Yeah, I can ready for that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, you want some uplifting? <laughs> yeah, uplifting. Let's get something uplifting from this trip. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps the most famous of the Donner Party saviors was John Stark. He was a burly California settler who took part in the Third Relief Party. So in March of 1847, he and two other rescuers stumbled upon 11 immigrants, mostly kids, who had been left in the mountains by an earlier relief group. The two other rescuers each grabbed a single child and started hoofing it back down the slope, but Stark was unwilling to leave anyone behind. So instead, he rallied the weary adults, gathered the rest of the children, and began guiding the group single-handedly. Most of the kids were too weak to walk, so Stark took to carrying two of them at a time for a few yards, then setting them down in the snow and then going back for the others. He continued the grueling process all the way down the mountain and eventually led all nine of his charges to safety. That's awesome. Speaking of the incident years later, one of the survivors credited her rescue to Nobody but God and Stark and the Virgin Mary. Of the 81 pioneers who began the Darnock Party's horrific winter in this year in Nevada, only 45 managed to walk out alive. The ordeal proved particularly costly for the group's 15 solo travelers. All but two of them died. But it also took a tragic toll on the families. George and Jacob Donner, both of their wives, four of their children all perished. Pioneer William Eddy, meanwhile, lost his wife and his two kids. Nearly a dozen families had made up Donner wagon, the Donner wagon train, but only two, the Reeds and the Breens, so the Breens fellow was the one who started that diary, yep. they managed to arrive in California without suffering a single death of Wow. So the Reeds, so James Reed comes back hmm. and he saves his family that he was separated all from. All right, that's good news. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, actually maybe I get to that later. I don't believe they. I don't believe they took advantage of eating other people. So only 45 of the original 81 members, as I said, survived. 32 of them were children. Most were physically scarred from frostbite and malnutrition, yeah. and psychologically disturbed by the horrors of what they experienced in the camps mm -hmm. and what they had to do to survive. The Reed family, however, went on to prosper as one of the original settlers of San Jose, California. No, no kidding. Yeah. So, jumping ahead a little bit, 
The discovery of gold in California, mm -hmm. 1848, gold rush, would turn the flow of migrants into a virtual flood, and the legacy of the Downer Party would become less a cautionary tale and more a grim historical footnote in the story of the great westward movement. So other things that you may be wondering, in 2004, archaeologists unearthed a cooking hearth in the Sierra Nevada where they believe the Donner Party gathered for meager meals in the months before starvation led to the country's most famous tale of cannibalism. Mm -hmm. After examining remains from the Alder Creek campsite, researchers in 2010 announced that they had been unable to find any human bones or other physical evidence of cannibalism. Mm -hmm. The researchers themselves clarified, however, that the absence of archaeological evidence did not rule out the possibility that cannibalism had occurred, especially given the extensive contemporary accounts by members of the rescue parties and the survivors themselves. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure that one guy's diary probably yeah. was pretty uh, open about what was going on there. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, even <clears throat> the, the member, members of the rescue parties, they came and they were taking notes mm -hmm. too of what they saw. Like, you right. know, they didn't actually witness it happening in front of them, right? they could, yeah. you know, write down what Yeah, yeah, they could probably make inferences about what was happening among the group there. So, if you remember, one of the, the Breen family, that family was intact after the okay. whole Donner like Party debacle. Yeah. So, Isabel Breen, she died in South Bay in 1935. Wow. Because she was just one years old. Okay. She and probably, and she doesn't have any memories. No. So with her death, she was the very last of the Donner Party survivors who finally left the earth. Yeah. So that is the story of the Donner Party. That's interesting. I mean, there's no no doubt that it was absolutely traumatic for everybody involved. So you're absolutely right. I just, as I said, I couldn't imagine making that trek and mm -hmm. trying to even get through these lands that are just overgrown mm -hmm. with stuff because mm -hmm. no one had ever gone through it before. Oh, yeah. And they don't, they didn't have the slightest clue of what was right. waiting for them. Right. I mean, I know there was a real fear of Native Americans, mm -hmm. of different tribes, yeah. you know, threatening them. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. the whole story and tales of scalping and whatnot. But right. I, I believe they did come across some very friendly Native Americans yeah. who traded with them, yeah. Yeah. which was a positive experience. Right. But right. they even had, as I said in, in my story here that they even had some trail guides who were Native American mm -hmm. too or willing yeah. to help out when sure. you know, they didn't have to. Yeah. It's interesting having been to the West Coast, mm -hmm. living in Seattle or outside Seattle, you know, when you live on the East Coast and you think like mountains or, you know, you think like Bristol Mountain is not far from here, yeah. like 2,000 feet, right? Right. But these mountains out here, these are like 12 to 14,000 I mean, they're huge. Mm -hmm. They're just, and so I wonder if, like, you know, people who are coming west just were completely unprepared for how different how different the geography is on the west coast right. than than it was in you know Illinois or mm -hmm. even Missouri. Yeah, that's. I just I feel terrible that you know it seemed like once one thing went wrong, it was sort of like a domino. It was like yeah. okay, well. The trail isn't actually what we thought. And then the trail guy doesn't show up. And then it's the weather is bad. And then, you know, they're already left late. So there's all these things that just kept piling on and yes. piling on. And then they just are trapped there. Mm -hmm. um, I think the location where the uh, Donner Alder Creek Camp mm -hmm. was is not mm -hmm. like a picnic area. Okay. Is what? It's a picnic area. <laughs> 
Which I, that's kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> like people can sit there and eat their lunch, yeah. knowing that <laughs> that kind of stuff happened there. I'm not sure I would want to stop there for a rest break. I don't know. I don't think I want to have a picnic there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, they just had to be, the survivors had to be scarred for the rest of their lives. And also probably really thankful that they made it out. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. I believe one of the survivors, she just, no matter where she was going when she left the house, mm -hmm. she always had some kind of candy yeah. or yeah, yeah, yeah. cookies yeah. or something on right. her. Like, she could never yeah. leave the house empty-handed yeah. without any type of food anymore. Right, right. And, of course, they were hounded by press, mm -hmm. you know, journalists oh, yeah, sure. looking to find what, what the real story was. Yeah. And, I'm sure it was, like, very sensational, too. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like even now it's kind of sensational. It's like, wow, they were... Yeah, eating their fellow, yeah. fellow trans. I mean, you had kids eating their father. Yeah, I mean that's so that's that's. I mean, I, in some cases, you know, of course we weren't there, mm -hmm. but in some cases, it sounded like the father may have given his blessing to his children to wow. Do what they needed to do to, do to survive. survive. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's incredible that anybody made it. Really, I mean, it sounds like what was it? More than half of the people survived and made it to California. I sincerely hope that they had happy lives when they got to California. They were able they to try to make the best of it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I just think the whole migration west is an interesting story, and this is just another part mm -hmm. of it. And thanks for sharing. Sure, you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> Sorry, it was so grotesque. No, no, no. I mean, it's that's part of the story, right? I mean, that's yeah. Just, that is. I guess I didn't realize there were all these different trails out there too, and like some, some half of them. And they made a poor decision. Yeah, I mean, I, just I don't think I realized yeah. that. That was just a group of yeah pioneers who got yeah, stuck. Yeah, who got stuck. I mean, yeah. which is basically what happened. Right. But there was so many mistakes that were made yeah. along the way that you know really. And they also piled on each other. Yeah. It's like, Leaving late, okay, then there's the tra the trails not marked, or the trail guides like, go, go this way, it's, it's easier. Well, it's not actually easier, it's longer, and it's more complicated, and, and it's just, it's pretty awful. Yeah. I feel for them. <laughs> All right, you ready for some cookies? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I got these yesterday. I don't know, they just, I like the color. I feel like I'm sort of matched the cookies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little bit too. Okay. So should we say like where they're from or just where I'm gonna like this so that yeah. okay. there we go. I just like the, the place that makes these cookies. They're just local grocery store. Place in question. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Delicious. Yeah, you always know what you're getting when you get cookies at it. They kind of taste the same. The sugar cookies too, the frosting. Oh yeah. Well that was really interesting. I'm glad you know a little bit more about the donor party. I never want to hear about it again. I don't ever want to You're take it. I'm not going to take a trail. Is that what you recall about yeah. it when you watch the shows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say it was like one of those American Experience shows, and they really, they talked about how difficult it was. Being stuck in the Sierra Nevadas in the winter would be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. You need to do trivia or something. <laughs> We're brushing up on all this stuff. <laughs> I'd like trivia contests at Crime Con. Like, that would be awesome. They should. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it's crime. We are going to crime. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to crime. That needs to be. That needs to be said. Looking forward to it. For those of you who don't know who crime, crime con is, it's a true crime convention. Mm -hmm. And it's, this year, it's in Orlando. Mm -hmm. It's an annual convention. Mm -hmm. 
because you can talk about crime. Yeah, there's going to be um, other podcasters there who do true crime podcasts, so that's going to be really awesome, too. Let's get one thing straight. We're not a presenter. <laughs> they haven't asked us to. Yeah. Maybe next year, though. I mean, actually, I was on their website today, and I found out how you can apply to be part of the... So, oh, man. I mean, I feel, like, I feel like we've got a good gig here. I feel like we do a pretty good job. What do you think? I'll let our, our listeners and viewers to make that decision okay, for yeah. us. I think that's fair. Okay. We're a little biased. We are. I mean, we think we're awesome. We think we're funny. <laughs> so, <clears throat> our devourer might compete. Yeah, that was really good. I would get these again. So. Yeah. 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 So, so what are you going to do next month? Or next time? Do you want me to say it? No. Okay. <laughs> I already know what I'm doing. And I, I'm doing a lot of research on it. And one of my favorite shows, which are all of our. All three listeners know that Unsolved Mysteries is like one of my favorite shows. Yes. They did this really in-depth study okay. into the, the case I'm going to talk about, which is, is interesting. It's got it's got some different parts to it, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Yeah. Well, by the way, I use History.com, NationalGeographic.com, mm -hmm. Britannica.com, and then, of course, the podcast I listen to Against the Odds for my presentation today. So what was their take on the podcast? Kind of like well, they it's more of a story-based mm -hmm. account. So they are going off of other people's accounts and then crafting a story around okay. it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a little, there's some, like, freedom there as mm -hmm. to what mm -hmm. someone actually said, what right. does someone right. actually do in that situation. So you kind of have to back away and just mm -hmm. recognize it for what it is. Mm -hmm. They go... They focused on James Reed and the Donner, the two Donner the families. Yes, yeah. they were brothers. Yeah, and then the other one was that last guy that was saved. Mm -hmm. He was kind of a jerk the whole trail. Mm -hmm. He forced like one of his like immigrant workers to get out of the wagon then because his oxen couldn't hold him anymore. So like other families came across this gentleman who was mm -hmm. walking along the trail and nobody could pick him up because they just couldn't like yeah they felt bad about it yeah but yeah, yeah the other guy just kicked him out of his wagon yeah. so and uh -huh. he had done something else too uh, and then there was another guy that caused problems mm -hmm. he was the one that wanted james reed to be hung for uh, yeah. a murder yeah, yeah, yeah. he was the one that hit it or it was something else too i'm trying to remember what else he did but you know, tensions were running high. I'm sure. So I mean, they're starving. You're starving. You don't like somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of goes hand in hand. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What happened to the one guy's daughter? Oh, I don't know if that's what it was. Kesselberg also, they think he murdered, who was it? I think I mentioned a William Eddy. They do talk about a William Eddy in the podcast. Mm -hmm. He came back to rescue his kids because he was part of that. Okay. He, he yeah. had gone out, I believe he was on the, the snowshoe okay. rescue yeah. effort, and then he yeah. came back to get his kids, mm -hmm. and there was some thought there that Kesselberg had killed oh. Eddie's kids. Oh my gosh. <gasps> oh my gosh. So, That's there's that too. And as I said, Kesselberg was not found guilty of any crimes, but there's some suspicions there. Mm -hmm. What happened to the guy's diary? What happened to him and his diary after the? Was he saved? Yeah, because he was he was part of that family that made it. Okay, they made it. Okay. Was the Reed family and it was the Reed family. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. well, a good thing that they, he had a written record. Was yeah. Anyways, it was really interesting. I'm glad to I'm glad to know a little bit more about them and 
gives you a new appreciation for how easy we have it when we drive coast to coast. Oh yeah. I've and driven all today's luxuries that we have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've driven, because we were stationed on the west coast, drove back and forth, out to Seattle and then back. And I mean, what are we driving on? Paved roads. I know. You know air conditioned cars. Air conditioned cars. You can stop whenever you want to get something to eat. Yeah. You can spend the night something. You know, it's, it's so much easier. And yeah. Yeah, those, those, the settlers who went west, they had a difficult, difficult journey mm -hmm. in lots of different ways. So. But thanks for sharing. You're welcome. All right. Well, Great. until next time. Yeah. We'll see you later. Bye.